Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I'm Liz Loza, joined by Scott Pianowski and Matt Harmon. Gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I have some whiplash this evening watching all of these high-scoring games. What about you? Don't jump in so excited. You're clearly, I mean, you're both suffering from adrenal fatigue. What's going on? I mean, I I was waiting for Scott to roll off first because I'm so comfortable because to peel back the curtain for the listeners at home, and I guess for Scott too, since Liz and I are in the same room and Scott's not, I'm sitting on some kind of like fur, white fur chair right now. This is by far the most luxurious I've ever felt recording. This looks like a set from the Deep 818. Nanny Southern Californian. Well, I'm, I'm jealous. I've, the next comfortable office chair I have will be the first one. But well, I guess the NFL wanted the Big 12 football. They have it. Uh, it's illegal to play defense. It's, um, you know, you better put up a bunch of points. Uh, I have some teams that are going to lose with huge scores this week. I have some teams that are going to win with huge scores this week. And if you didn't score this week, I don't know, your team might be in trouble because it, it felt like 80% of the league went ham today. Speaking of ham, Mitch Trubisky certainly allied the fears of, well, at least Andy Barons and Brad Evans going off for 354 yards and six touchdowns. He's on a bye next week, so we get to avoid any questions about whether people should stream him, thankfully. <laughs> but so are the Bucks. They're also on a bye. And was this Mitch Trubisky being awesome or was this the Bucks just being real bad? Scott? I'm surprised you didn't include yourself in on the on the Bears fans being worried. I, I guess you're full on the Rams now, uh, who just scored two touchdowns while we started this podcast. I think <laughs> it was more week. the Bucks defense being terrible. This is the thing with with football, you know, pinball 2018. When somebody puts up a bunch of numbers, you have to ask yourself: it was it given to them by the defense? And I, guys were wide open in this game. I think Nagy did a fantastic job scheming. They obviously spread the offense around. Jordan Howard was not invited. He did very little on his rushing ability. But this was the game that we thought Cohen was capable of having before the season. Finally saw Robinson touchdown. Killer Gabriel looked fun. A couple of big Trey Burton plays. I thought this was a triumph for Nagy. I thought it was a fault of a failing of the Tampa Bay defense, and I don't know how they're going to fix it. The NFC South is the pinball division. You know, Every Falcon game seems to be crazy this year with a bunch of scoring. Trubisky hit wide open guys. He executed the game plan. Uh, they had a really good script. And for once, the the uh, Christmas actually carried over to pass the script. But I thought we learned more about Tampa Bay being terrible than Chicago being good today. Yeah, a little bit of a mix of both for me. I called this. I said that this game was the hardest to predict coming into the week because you had on one side of the field, you had the 
immovable object for going against the unstoppable force in the Bears and Bucks uh, offense there. And then on that side of the field with Trubisky, it was like the least movable, <laughs> like the least moving object against the unable to stop anything force. So like. To me, I think it is definitely a mix of the two, but this is what I think we all hoped to see with this Bears offense coming into the year. So I'm a little bit more optimistic. It was something, you know, a little bit more of a, a something to come because a lot of, again, a lot of these players are totally new to each other. Trey Burton, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, all new additions to Mitch Trubisky. And this is a new offensive system. So I know that, I know that people will be upset about Jordan Howard. We can talk about that. But I mean, to me, I, I think that this is a good sign for Jordan Howard. I mean, I know that he didn't get in the box today. Wasn't as Scott said, was not invited to the party, but if this offense is going to start to look like this more going forward, I think that's great news for everybody involved. Um, obviously, we're not expecting the quarterback to throw six touchdowns on the reg, but I think this was a great sign for the future of the Bears offense. Maybe it also speaks to remember they used their first team offense sparingly in the preseason. They hardly played at all. A lot of teams do that now. So what happens in many cases is September almost has an exhibition feel to it yeah. in some weeks. So maybe this was a case of you know, the Bears are finally this almost every key player in this offense is in the very early stages of his career, first, second, third season. Even Allen Robinson, who's been around for a while, is still just in his mid-20s. So these guys are still learning each other's names and getting a sense of how the plays work together. Also interesting, by the way, Trubisky, as if six touchdowns weren't enough and 354 passing yards, he also ran three times for 53 yards. <laughs> yeah. I think even when Trubisky doesn't throw the ball particularly well, I think you're going to get that 20 to 50 rushing yards a week, which is a nice bonus because, look, half the, league, half the league a quarterback doesn't run, or I don't know, maybe two-thirds of it. But Trubisky, that is probably a quiver in his collection as well. I like the point you make, um, Matt, about Jordan Howard and how this offense, as it grows, will only benefit him if there are people who are worried about Jordan Howard. Don't be. And if you can take advantage of one of those, I would buy low. Looking forward, as I said, the Bears are on by in week five, but they're at Miami in week six. And we just saw both Sony Michelle and James White truck the Dolphins, who are without defensive lineman William Hayes, their best run stopper. So... I like the opportunity for Howard here. And as Andy Barron said today on Fantasy Football Live, credit to the guy for really improving his receiving game. This wasn't, you know, not, not every week's going to be a winner. But I think if I could buy low on Jordan Howard and convince someone that there's a problem there, I would definitely take advantage the of it. timing is never going to be better for two reasons. One, it was just an air raid from Chicago. Howard had a terrible game. Two, they're in their bye week. Okay, so the Howard owner, not only did he get skunked in week four, but Chicago's not playing in week five. He may need a running back. And there's yeah. just not that many good running backs now. So yeah. if you're looking at a perfect storm for the timing, because Howard did nothing, they don't play next week. We're deep enough into the season that hit the Howard owner in your league could be 0 and 4 or 1 and 3 or maybe on a losing streak. I mean, you know, the last thing we know how um, recency bias is such a huge part of fantasy. The last thing that Howard showed us was a no show and then he doesn't play in week five. So if you're ever going to kick the tires, and this is what you do. Go to the Howard owner and say, hey, it looks like you need a running back this week or I'm interested in one of your running backs. You don't necessarily have to make it about Howard. Let him come to Howard. Let his frustration spill over into a Howard deal. This is the time. If you're going to get Howard, you want to go get him right now. And then you're going to pounce and win just like Tom Brady did. He lulled us into some false sense of security and then he, well, he did what he does. I mean, <laughs> this was a, a vintage Patriots when uh, reports of Tom Brady's death have clearly been greatly exaggerated. He put up 274 yards and three touchdowns 
Matt, what do you think is benefiting Brady and the Pats so much, uh, especially I'm, facing a defense that was considered economical and a cornerback like Xavier Howard? It was. I mean, the defense was playing well, but like, come on, we do this with the Patriots every year, right? They start a little slow. We all have to have the discussion about, is this the end of the dynasty? I think maybe it's a wishful thinking for some of us. Well, it's I eventually going to happen, right? Eventually right. he will eventually decline we'll or retire. Right. Eventually we'll be right, and God bless us when that day does finally come and we're rid of the evil empire forever. However, not today. Not, not yet. <laughs> not, it, is not, it is not yet this year. I mean, yeah, the Patriots played well in this game they started getting their ancillary pieces involved i mean cordero patterson had a touchdown dorset yeah i mean brady still threw a couple turnovers no big deal josh gordon got out there had two catches for 32 yards on his two targets of the day he was definitely out there in situational perspectives like third downs etc but the big winner of this was obviously sony michelle liz you and i talked about this on thursday's podcast like this is what the way it's going to have to be because James White is a receiving back. He's not a running back. Uh, he's just a kind of a catch and fall guy. You need somebody out there making plays. And Michelle looked looked great today. And the Patriots just were, especially early, ripping these wide open holes for Michelle. So we're not all the way there with the Patriots yet. Obviously, Josh Gordon's still figuring out. Rob Gronkowski has seven targets, four for 44 today. Nothing major there, but this was a good sign in their development, and I think cemented two things I feel coming out of this game for sure. The Dolphins were obvious 3-0 and frauds. You know, they were making splash plays, but not anything sustainable. I mean, Kenyon Drake has four touches today. Like, woof. Well, he, and, he hasn't had much action yeah. at all. He had, like, one good week in week two, and, and that was because he scored a touchdown. Yeah, he's not, like, an every-week fantasy play at all, and I have no idea when you're going to feel comfortable about playing him. And the other one is Chris Hogan. I mean, Chris Hogan, one target, one catch, 25 yards. I think he is safely a drop candidate at this point. Scott, I want to ask you, uh, as the resident Patriots fan, what do you think about a sell high on James White, noting that Edelman comes back next week? Yeah, I can see it. Um, I, I agree with you guys that Michelle is going to have this backfield, although White did score two touchdowns, one by air and one by by ground. But he's always going to be more of a satellite back and more of a complimentary piece. The interesting thing to me about the Patriots today was that Gronkowski didn't do a lot, and he, and he left with an ankle injury. They have a short turnaround Thursday for the Colts, so keep an eye on that. Three touchdowns went to Patterson, Dorsett, and White. As Matt mentioned, Hogan was was not involved, targeted just once. Uh, you know, he had a catch, but you know, one for twenty five isn't going to do it. I think Gordon helps this team just by being on the field. You could have him run nine routes all day and never target him, and I think it makes things easier for people. But you know, only two catches for thirty two yards. If you played him, you were a little bit disappointed. I, I guess you had to have tempered expectations anyway. Just the the path of Gordon's career. He just got to the team, but. This was a this reminded me of the Brady that we saw early in his career, where he spread things around, and it wasn't necessarily the biggest names who scored the touchdowns, and the people who probably the receivers who probably people were counting on. Nobody was playing Philip Dorsett today. He scored. People maybe needed Hogan. He didn't score. Edelman comes back. I think this is going to be a frustrating offense for fantasy, other than Michelle, because I don't know that the usage. I mean, Gronkowski may be dinged up. People are going to double him and make sure Gronkowski doesn't beat them. I think he was a mistake to draft this year. For all the trouble people are having at tight end, there's a bunch of guys who cost nothing or near nothing who seem to be producing. So, I mean, Jared Cook's having big games. Uh, we're going to talk about a Cincinnati tight end at some point who, who's probably a really cheap pickup. I think the Patriots are going to be more of a fantasy frustration than a fantasy a bonanza going forward. But I do agree with the uh, Michelle take, and I also think it's a good time to sell white. So, Scott, 
You, speaking of frustration, vented some of those about <laughs> on Twitter about Aaron Rodgers, who passed for almost 300 yards but only managed one touchdown. I'm going to give you the floor, big guy. <laughs> Just go for it. Yeah, well, I don't actually have any Rodgers, so it's, it's not born from any of my teams. But, I mean, he threw for 298 and a touchdown. There, I, I'm old enough to remember when that was actually an okay fantasy day. <laughs> and the last I checked, he was quarterback 17 for the week. Um, there's a game, you know, I think – Flacco's probably already passed him. I'm sure Roethlisberger will at some point. You 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 need multiple touchdowns from your quarterback, preferably three. And uh, you know Rodgers isn't healthy. He's hobbling around yeah. like Fred G. Sanford out there, and his, his weapons are okay. Adams is a good player. Allison's a good player. You know Adams didn't score today, but he usually you know gets in the box. Uh, Jimmy Graham had an easy touchdown. He also cost Rodgers an interception. Here's the thing. I know if you own Rodgers, you drafted him as the first or second quarterback in your league, and that's fine. But he's hurt right now. This offense isn't clicking. We just want the numbers. You have to accept that, you know what, maybe I, I'd better off playing Baker Mayfield in a given week. Or maybe I'm, I'm better off streaming something. Maybe Alex Smith is a good matchup. Just because he's Aaron Rodgers. I, I can't stand the, but he's Aaron Rodgers. But I took him in the fifth or sixth round. I have to start him. I don't subscribe to that. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is hurt. He doesn't have a lot of help around him. I think the pieces here are average at best. He is not an automatic starter. I don't care that he's probably the best quarterback I've ever seen. He's on the short list of you know three or four best quarterbacks I've ever seen. That doesn't matter. I just want the numbers. He's not healthy. They're not helping him. You have to be open-minded to playing somebody else until this gets fixed, if it gets fixed. Fire. That was spitting fire. <laughs> it's been a long day, Agree? guys. Agree? Disagree? I mean, I don't disagree. I think you're right that you have to. I mean, this is... Whether the start your studs mantra is accurate any longer or if you have to advocate for the mantra. I hate that. I hate that. What's a stud? What's a stud? I mean, you know, LaShawn McCoy used to be a start your stud. Uh, Maybe Jordan Howard would have been a start your stud two weeks ago. He's probably – that's such a moving line. Maybe Aaron Rodgers was a start your stud in week one. He's not – he's hurt now. He looks like a guy who's hurt. You don't have to be a medical – you know, you don't have to be a doctor or – or, uh, you know, work in the ER to know that he's not healthy. So I think what we're getting to, though, is that like talent slash reputation can be a tiebreaker. It's not the decision, the ultimate decision maker for you. I mean, I, I do want to talk about the the Packers backfield because, Matt, we talked about it on Thursday's mm-hmm. pod. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. This was going to be a committee. It was indeed a committee. But you are the hashtag running back talent doesn't matter. <laughs> Both backs uh, carried the ball 11 times. Obviously, one was much more explosive. Yep. No big surprise yeah. here than the other. Yeah, I mean, w- this backfield wasn't any different today than what I would expect it to be, which is Aaron Jones is the best pure runner. Jamal Williams is still going to be out there because he's reliable, even though, as Scott pointed out today, he is mostly just accruing points in uh, points per pass block league. Uh, <laughs> so not helping the majority of people out there. Uh, and, of course, then you got Ty Montgomery, who still made a couple plays today as a receiver. I, I think until things change, this is how it's probably going to continue to be. Uh, Aaron Jones, like as much as we do like his ability, and I mean, I like him too, even if I don't think this stuff really matters in the end. Like, obviously, I, he's aesthetically pleasing to watch run. I just don't know that there's ever going to be a point where this Green Bay coaching staff, which I mean, for God's sakes, how many years have we just belied all of the decisions that this coaching staff has made? I think this has mostly been an Aaron Rodgers driven run, not a Mike McCarthy driven one. And I I don't expect them to suddenly just be like, yeah, Aaron Jones, our best player. Let's give him 20 touches. Like until I see that, I'm not going to necessarily believe it. Uh, because I think this is just how this team has always been. Uh, that said, with everything that we've just said about the Packers, they do have two really soft landing spots before their Week 7 bye at Detroit, 
49ers in week six. Then they get that bye week. Then mm-hmm. they come back and they play the Rams, the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Seahawks. I mean, really, out of that group, I mean, not, I mean, as Scott said, does defense even matter anymore? And if it does, then none of these guys are really intimidating. Well, I think you're right for the next two weeks. And then, you know, we have to see what happens with injuries, et cetera, because I don't like to plan at this point more than yeah, a week or two. Worth of, uh, ahead. If you are a Rogers owner, you probably like that week seven bye because I'd like yeah. to get him some rest soon. So I, that's probably better that they have it you know, sooner rather than later. You guys, I know we keep talking about this ping pong uh, arena football what did you call it, um, Scott? College football. The Big 12. The Big 12, 12. The Big 12 football, sure. Big 12 First football. Team 45 wins. But like Andrew Luck, who I believe had under 180 yards passing the two prior weeks, had 464 yards and four touchdowns in a game that I was sure after watching Marcus Hunt and Darius Leonard and Deshaun Watson's offensive line was going to be like a... 10 to 3 game. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, we knew Nuke would probably, despite the injury, do something. That was your touchdown. But my goodness, this one just made no sense. I think probably Aaron Colvin's injury maybe mattered. And I, for me, the big story is Andrew Luck doing it, Frank Reich helping him to do it, and the breakout of Naheem Hines, who is the perfect Frank Reich running back yeah. and the perfect pass catcher, frankly, especially with Hilton potentially out next week for Andrew Luck's current arm. I think that's a great take. I said earlier in our Slack chat that my my team Huevos, t- Lee, or, or my team and team Huevos oh, mine's real bad. is so bad. <laughs> so bad. I started 0-3. I started How and, bad is it? Well, it's so bad that I had not won any Thank games. You, and it was so terrible to the point that like I did the stars and studs approach and David Johnson, unfortunately, not really been playing like a stud. Uh, but I actually had to start Naheem Hines today when he scored twice. I was like, that was just a total luck play. But I think going forward, he's a guy that you're going to hopefully rely on because, as Liz points out, he is very much like a stylistic fit for Andrew Luck's current arm strength plus this offense and to be fair too like i watched most of this game today because like an idiot i bet the under and that did not well i just out. told you had i bet i would have bet the under as well so right. i don't think it's crazy so i i thought looking watching this game though that luck made several really nice throws i thought his arm looked good and i'm starting to think you know i thought maybe that this was like 50 50 like why he was pretty much the lowest average depth of target quarterback coming into this game I thought it was like 50-50, his arm strength and coaching. Now I'm starting to think maybe it was like 70% coaching, 30% his arm strength. Like the, his arm is definitely a factor. And oh my God, John Brown just caught a lot, another long, t- long, long pass. Sorry, I'm distracted. But point being, I thought it was just mostly his arm strength. But now I'm starting to think it was coaching because well, they have so many. Well, that's coaching though. Yes, it is because they have so many. <laughs> they have so many injuries on the offensive line they're down to like their third and fourth string offensive tackles luck obviously they don't want to expose them to a bunch of punishment that's what the old coaching staff did so i do think it's good coaching that's why i think that Hines, if he continues to get playing time this could be sustainable if you had told me before the game that andrew luck would attempt 62 passes and only six of them would be to ty hilton who would leave a couple times with injuries i'd be like good lord they're going to get killed it's probably going to be four or five yards per attempt luck was at 5.3 yards per attempt before this week I wouldn't have been optimistic at all. And look, somehow made chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what with Hines, with Chester Rogers, with Ryan Grant, with Zach Pascal. Eric Ebron, you left some plays in the field, but he scored a touchdown too. You know, Hilton got his 115, but Luck did it without those guys. And even though I think 
Uh, Frank Reich gave away, you know, they should have played for the tie. Generally, I would hate to play for a tie. I think the situation for Indianapolis late in overtime was to take the tie. Reich tried to play for the win, basically gave gift wrapped a game to, to Houston. I think that was a mistake, but I think what Reich is doing with luck has actually been very smart. And Indianapolis could have won any of their games. They easily could have won against Philadelphia. They were one or two plays away from being Cincinnati. I think they're a very deceiving one and three. And I think luck and Reich has proved to be a really good marriage. And when we're talking about rookies, I mean, you're right. Um, Hines was terrific today in the past game, and, and he's a factor, especially the way the league shapes right now. How about – I'm not even sure I'm saying this right. Kiki. Kiki Cutie. Kiki yeah, Cutie. I, I love 11 that you catches on 15 targets and, and a very narrow usage tree. I think Will Fuller was banged up in this game. We know he was born in the end zone. That guy scores every week. DeAndre Hopkins is, <laughs> you know, number one, number two receiver in fantasy, whatever, number three. Whatever, call him what you want. He's in that royalty tier. But Houston is a very narrow passing tree. Cutie was in his first game, 11 catches. What a debut. As long as they can keep Watson healthy, he was sacked seven times today, Oof. partly because of his offensive line, partly because he's such a playmaker. You want to try to extend plays and hold the ball sometimes too long. He can't continue to take that kind of beating. But uh, 375 and a couple of touchdowns, he, he was a factor on the ground again. Houston probably, even with J.J. Watt, has a bad defense. I think this is a carnival in Houston. It's going to be a fantasy fun carnival because they have a very narrow usage tree. It looks like Cutie is barging into that tree. I just hope they can keep Watson healthy. Well, he's coming into the Bruce Ellington spot. Ellington, surprise, on IR. Will Fuller, surprise, injured again. I mean, part of of, um, Cutie's volume this week was the fact that the game went into overtime. And also when Will Fuller exited... Cutie, who is also a speedster and, you know, a big play threat, took a lot of those targets. So I think that you're absolutely right. He's only owned in 1% of league, guys. Like, that's... Going up. Yeah, go get him. Not anymore, right? I want to talk about Eagles-Titans. You know, Matt, I feel like you have a soft spot for Marcus Marriott. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just being, like, a little... um, Presumptuous? Sure. Or, like, incredibly intuitive. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, probably. But I (laughs) think this this Titans offense was one that I was really high on coming into the year. So, obviously, I've been pretty disappointed through the first few weeks. But this was kind of an eruption by them today. I mean, Mariota runs in a touchdown. He has 31 points overall today. Um, Corey Davis, like... All of the air yards, targets, whatever signals were pointing that this guy was about to explode, goes out today, gets 15 targets, 9, 161, and a touch. I mean, this was the sort of game. And he even had a couple of plays that, you know, weren't perfect uh, watching this game. And I think that this offense, too, you could really see the signs starting to come together. I mean, Taewon Taylor was a guy that I was drafting a ton of in the offseason. Uh, Liz is, is showing physically here that she's very happy about this seven yes. catches seven catches from Taewon Taylor you know Rashard mm-hmm. Matthews we know was asked and granted his release uh one of the stranger situations I've slid into ever. some other DMs yeah he, he's out <laughs> so Taewon Taylor got the start seven catches and Deion Lewis also nine catches today too as they're trying to mount a comeback against the Eagles this Titans team though I mean I know this is a little bit narrative streety but like I can't help but be just Really impressed by the stones on this group. I mean, Matt, Mike Vrabel in overtime goes for it on fourth down in field goal range. The team responds, scores a touchdown, wins. They've rattled off a couple of wins here while being clearly, you know, behind the eight ball in terms of health and overall just, you know, making like a freaking Blaine Gabbard out there. So I wonder if this offense is starting to come together because I do think there's so many appealing pieces here. Interesting how much it 
parallels of the Colts, right? We're yes. not sure how healthy the quarterback is. A missing piece in the offense. Delaney Walker's out for the season. Of course, they they punted on Matthews. And a breakout get grown man catch from Corey Davis on the game-winning touchdown. I mean, he looked like a command-the-ball number one receiver in this game. And with Mariota, we've always wondered. It's been a matter of health. We, we never questioned his athleticism. He is an unusual throwing motion, but it's been effective for him when he's healthy. I'm sure I ranked him too low this week because I just wasn't sure how healthy he was and sounded like they were playing him almost because they had to because Gabbert's hurt too. But Mariota looked like that number two overall pick today, and they got the pieces working. I mean, they really didn't get anything going on the ground other than Mariota himself, but, you know, joined the club. That's the NFL this year. Um, you know, Taylor gets involved. Lewis, as you said, you know, Davis will look back on this as his signature. You know, here I am now, entertain me game. <laughs> it all comes down to this. If Mariota is healthy, this can be a fun offense. And it's just interesting how the Colts follow that script, how we were waiting for the Bears to show something. And, you know, maybe it backed off them a little bit. The Titans and the Bears were the two most popular picks. If there was going to be a McVay this year, and maybe there doesn't have to be a Rams McVay team in this season, but the Titans and the Bears were two offenses we were looking to bust out. And finally, in week four, they show up. And also, I want to say, I'm somebody, when when a player comes off an injury, I am so patient and yeah. cautious when they come back. And Alshon Jeffrey wasn't anywhere near my lineups. If you asked me an Alshon Jeffrey question, I would have said, look, you get a weight on this. He looked terrific today. Eight for a buck five and a touchdown on nine targets. He looked fluid. He made plays that were contested. He made plays after the catch. He ran. I mean, you know, he looked like as the peak vintage Alshon Jeffrey that he can be. And I thought Carson Wentz... It's not going to be the story of this game because the Titans ended up winning, but I thought Wentz looked really good too. So all systems go for that offense. Sometimes the Eagles spread the ball around a little bit more than we'd like for fantasy purposes, but uh, I was definitely wrong on Jeffrey today. He was ready to go. That was his first 100-yard game as an Eagle. I mean, Mm. pretty outrageous what a debut that was for him. This team, though, to me, I mean, again, this is something Liz and I talked about on the Thursday podcast too, is like, what's going on with the Eagles? I mean – They've lost several games here. It seems like they're pulling guys out very or pulling guys in off injury, obviously Wentz and Jeffrey very early. But to me, the pass defense, like, is this one we're looking to target going forward? Because they've obviously given up they've given up several big games here. And this one against Mariota, you know, the get right game for the Titans was interesting to me. Well, I was actually thinking how much I appreciate being a month into the season because you can finally start to pick up patterns and Mm -hmm. the variance seems a little more limited. And my hunch going into this week was that the Eagles defensively were stronger up front, but like their secondary, I mean, maybe Darby's a ball hawk, but like that's pretty much it. He's not like a Jalen Mills is a liability. I mean, he's somebody you pick on. He's somebody you pick on. Corey Davis picked on today. That was what we saw last last year as well. And so I think, you know, they get pressure. Sure. That D-line Sure. But I like them moving forward. And I like Sidney Jones. I mean, he gave up all five of his looks, I think, two weeks ago or last week. So, Scott, do you disagree in terms of the the Eagles pass defense being a squad to either target or fade? I thought coming the season, it might be a good enough defense that we'd have to keep our expectations tempered. They did such a good job defending the Falcons opening night. And I, I know that the Falcons shot themselves in the foot a bunch of times, very similar to the playoff game that they played back in January. I have reevaluated the point that the Eagles are just another defense that if you like your player going up against the Eagles, use them. The Eagles are not going to get in your way. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily a sieve. I don't think they're maybe the Chiefs defense or the Buccaneers defense or one of these teams that's going to escort you in the end zone. But if you feel good about your player and you see Philly in the schedule, all systems go. They are not – to me, 
defense strength is okay. I want to stay away from the really nasty ones. The Jaguars, you know, there's a couple other defenses. Maybe the Bears are in that mix. And there's four or five that are so such a giveaway that you have to consider even average players against them. And then there's a big, ugly middle where it's like, okay, just kind of stick with how you felt about your offensive player. That's where the Eagles defense is going to be for me. They're not going to push me towards players, but they're certainly not going to push me off anybody I like. Well, that was an important fantasy lesson that I personally learned or had confirmed this week. We asked our listeners for some other important fantasy lessons that they learned in week four. I'm going to alternate rapid. I'm going to alternate. I'm going to alternate. alternate. I I think it's coffee talk (laughs) segments. The coffee talk segment, producer Brett. Coffee talk. (laughs) Rapid fire style. So I'm going to alternate. Thank you, Scott and Matt. Scott, I guess I'll start with you since I said your name first. At D. Hanneman said, Kamara is the best fantasy player today. You buying? I'd still take Gurley first because remember Ingram's coming back, but it felt like Kamara was in the mud for a little while today and he ends up with 181 and three touchdowns. He'd go number two in a draft for me. Oh, okay. And it's rapid fire, so I have to be on it. Um, <laughs> at JDub197736, Matt, don't start Leonard Fournette for the rest of the year. <laughs> I mean, that's a tiny bit extreme but i get the frustration this is a guy that dude had... when total juck is on your bench and goes off for 20 points <laughs> like someone i know yeah poor total what is it what is the t- yeah, everybody hates tj elton man that's just what tank Williams i know that's calls what him. tank calls him uh marcus grant my buddy used to just say that he would he's the only running back he ever watched who would just fall down like just get just tackled by the air <laughs> he always makes what he like doesn't play to size and he always makes like one awful fumble and he, you know last week he was gutting out an injury yeah but you know what this this jags offense like whenever you take fournette out of it they still do just fine that's because running back down doesn't except matter. last week they didn't well but come that, on the day fournette was born he was listed as questionable <laughs> that I mean, is true and that's what i was gonna say this is a guy that has always struggled with lower body injuries even dating back to college so it's almost like what do you expect but I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it is what it is. You drafted this guy, and, and now it looks like you're probably going to deal with this all year, uh, but you probably are going to start him eventually. Again. As someone who has rostered Leonard Fournette, let me just say that you are wasting a roster spot because you also hopefully have TJ Yeldon, and hopefully you roll out TJ Yeldon in situations where yeah. uh, Fournette is at least, uh, you know, look at the practice reports. Like, I probably shouldn't have played Leonard Fournette. I was optimistic. Other players made up for it. Um, Scott, at NFL Fantasy God for you, that guy doesn't have uh, any wow. self-esteem issues. He wants to know if he should drop Russell Wilson. No, no, you don't drop Russell Wilson. They just got Doug Baldwin back. At least he's <laughs> no, no. a couple of steps back. I, I know Seattle has problems, but no, I'm not dropping Russell Wilson. Not the question I was expecting. Okay. I'm keeping Wilson. I, I would just say on these on these on this Russell Wilson thing in, in particular, like this is a group right now, like we were just talking about all these progressive young up-and-coming coaches like Frank Reich and, <laughs> right, right. Uh, Frank so and, and Matt LaFleur. Well, young, but <laughs> like, I mean, grandpa. definitely runs a progressive scheme. Sure. We're, we're talking about that we like, the way they call plays and are yeah, aggressive. I know where you're going with this one. And, I mean, then you've got in this game freaking Brian Schottenheimer and Mike McCoy. Uh, I tweeted out the little T-Rex arm gifts, <laughs> like the slap fight like that. Like, that's what this was. It was just two coaches, you know, back in the 90s, like – I don't think I put enough. I it's like I made fun of Brian Schottenheimer so much in the offseason, but I don't think that like transferred over into my brain of like how is this going to affect this offense? And they clearly want to establish the run, which 
I don't think is smart, but I mean, Mike Davis goes out there today, has uh, over 18 it's carries. A video, so. It's a video game league, and they're playing Pong. I, that's know, a great They're, they're playing with the paper football on the table or something. Can I mean, we, I don't know what the right metaphor can is. Can we but quote tweet that from Scott, like yeah. for fantasy? Somebody quote tweet that. So, yeah, that's Somebody a, on that social team. I don't know whoever that is. Mm, good um, question. Hey, Matt. At Herb's Herbert's big takeaway was that you only start Amari when you think you shouldn't. Well, this is what I mean. I know everybody like literally everybody hates Amari Cooper, I feel like. And I get it that he's a really frustrating player, but he does. You just have to realize the type of player he is. I mean, he's a spike weak player. He's a volatile guy. I don't think there is anything in this matchup. I mean, Denzel Ward's a nice rookie cornerback. Cleveland has played well on defense, but I don't think that this was one that you're just like, you know, all right, he's going against like Patrick Peterson or something. There's no way I'm playing him. I mean, I get he's a very frustrating player, but that's the type of asset that you should have realized you're drafting is he's a volatile guy that is at some points going to have these blow up games, but other points he's going to go quiet against a really tough cornerback matchup. It's 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 definitely very frustrating, but I think you got to keep at least your your mind open to playing him because he has this big week. So then to follow that up. Sure. But when, and I don't have any shares of him, but Me neither. when would you advocate for starting? So, like, what what do you need to see to start him? So th- this, like, let's assume a tie-breaking situation. So this is going to, this is actually would have bled into a little bit of what I would have thought about our next question. But one thing I've learned in fantasy so far this year, we're talking about this this video game scoring, the ping pong back and forth, all these touchdowns. To me, I am not so much hyper-focused on, like, matchups or whatever i want to just get my players in high scoring games um in which most of them are high scoring games but like the rams and vikings was a great example from and i'm not talking specific cooper but this is more just like a grand point about when i would want to play him is in a game that i think has shootout potential there's going to be a lot of passing volume like the rams and the vikings on thursday night i had so many people i felt like tweeting at me like i did i didn't play my rams receivers cuz you know this is a vikings defense like that's good or you know flip side with the vikings receivers and kirk cousins going against a, a good pass rush team it's like just look at the projected total of the game it was an over it was a 48 point 49 point over under that's pretty high you want to get your guys in these high scoring games because you're just going to increase your odds that it's a big week potential. So that's when I would feel most comfortable with Amari Cooper. Like when the Raiders are going to be in, in shootouts, I mean, when they go against the Chiefs, obviously, this game against the Browns turned pretty high scoring. That's when I feel good about Amari Cooper. In these games where he's playing, you know, the Dolphins, who are notoriously slow, they don't have high scoring games, then I'm necessarily not looking to start Amari Cooper that week. I think that's pretty sound. Um, you mentioned the Rams, Scott. Do you think Goff is an every week automatic start now? I wish we had this conversation a week ago because I'm going to lose a game playing Andy Dalton over Goff. Not that Dalton played poorly, but you know, Goff obviously went off. Here's the thing with the Rams. Gurley, auto start. Woods, auto start. Cooks, auto start. Cup, auto start. Goff, auto start. It's a very narrow usage tree. Sean McVay is a genius. He's a photographic memory. He remembers the draw play he called on, on second and 11 week two last week, last year. Tight ends hardly catch the ball. The defense maybe isn't as good as we thought, although it's a, it's a good defense, but it's certainly not going to you know, stop what we saw Thursday where Minnesota got their points too. Well, not I, without Tlaib. Let's you know qualify that a little bit. Right, right. But I mean, you know, attrition is going to happen on, on every t- – every defense is going to get probably a little less um, imposing as, you know, as the attrition happens. 
I have one team with Cup and Woods. I've tried to trade the guys. Uh, nobody wants to trade for him. Or I'm not me. even getting discussions started. I'm just going to play <laughs> Cup and Woods. I don't care. I'm it's just playing the Rams. I want to trade them. I, I want those players. I keep Scott, like a little peek behind the curtain. Scott has texted me very patiently and kindly and said like, hey, these are up. Your your record in the, on the league is really bad. Like you're 0-3. Please take that. these players from me. I'm editorializing that part of it. But um, And I... I I want Cooper Cup so bad, but every time I like go to do it, something else happens in my life or somebody says, hey, can you get on this pod or this Instagram? If you want to be a successful fantasy player, you have to throw real life into the garbage. <laughs> you can't be a good mom. You can't be a good wife. You can't be a good coworker. I don't care Your about being a good wife or mom as much sleep. as a good analyst. <laughs> like my kid will go to therapy regardless. The trolls will ruin me for life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're going to screw up the kids anyway. You might as well just get the fantasy team right. Um, yeah, I'm very. definitely never having kids. What are you, you guys never make me feel oh, good about this I whole can't thing. wait to see you in a couple of years uh, um but yikes. you know who i bet can wait to see somebody in a couple of years that's a really weak transition <laughs> it's been a long day eli manning i bet obj can't wait for eli to retire yeah i think you wonder if odell like looks at saquon and be like you should be you should be sam darnold <laughs> like yeah, it's you shouldn't be here um probably not i think odell's got a lot of other things to think about mostly probably himself uh but 11 targets today for beckham seven catches for 60 yards no receiver on the Giants today hit double div- double digits uh, yards per reception. The highest was, I think, uh, Rhett Ellison with 9.7. So sick work, Giants. You have a quarterback that can't push the, the ball down the field. You have an offensive line uh, that is, you know, their second best player is a rookie. That's not something that you want. This offense can't push the ball down the field at all, and it is because their quarterback is not good. Manning had a good game against the Texans last week, which I was kind of willing to chase into this one. I, I like a like a donkey. I bet on the Giants today, uh, and I feel like an idiot for that. Um, yeah, this is a mess. I mean, Eli's not good anymore. He hasn't been good for like three years. So the good the good news is Beckham's slow game still involves him catching seven passes. So in PPR formats, half PPR formats, you're at least not dead yet. But the guy hasn't scored yet this year, so it is very frustrating. Yeah, but Sterling Shepard did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we called Scott. Who liked yeah, Ster- Scott? Who liked Sterling Shepard this week? I, I heard Matt Harmon did, or everybody. <laughs> and you know they're going to do a reboot. <laughs> they're going to do a reboot of Weekend at Bernie's. It's going to be Weekend at Eli's, and they're just going to be carrying his dead carcass around. I, there's oh God, nothing left. Dark. I guess the only good thing for the Giants is they'll probably have a bad enough record that they can draft a quarterback in the first round, like they probably should have this year. But although you know Sam Darnold, it's been a while since he you know, that Detroit game feels like it was two months ago. But at least it didn't keep Shepard down. There is a very narrow tree in with the Giants. So if they get anything through the air, it's only going to go to a couple of different sources. And they do focus on their main guys there. But Eli looks as cooked as cooked can be. Yeah, we don't see, we don't like feel good about anybody's injuries. But the fact that Evan Ingram is not in this offense, it does concentrate things a little bit more. So that's why you see a guy like Shepard with 10 targets today, Beckham 11 and Saquon 8 and nobody else really matters um, but I only asked Scott that because Scott pointed out on Twitter today as he loves to do that when the one of the players that uh, is most loved by basically everybody in the fantasy community Scott likes to point out who likes Sterling Shepard this week comma at parentheses everybody well so, I, I was actually gonna ask Scott um, who liked Gio Bernard this week yeah everybody well, hey, <laughs> God love that Falcon secondary you know I mean if, if you're wearing a number uniform number between 21 and 45 and you go up against the Falcons, they escort you. I mean, they've lost the safeties. They've lost the linebacker, just too much personnel and they're funneling so much production. We, we saw it today with um, Bernard, of course, we saw it with, with Eifert scoring before he got hurt. 
uh, which of course, if we transition to the pickups, I mean that Tyler Croft is going to be one of the most popular pickups. Everybody named Tyler has to play for the Bengals <laughs> and Croft, what seven touchdowns last year. It sounds like Eifert may be done for the season. Yeah, or, he's done. Know, hurt also, for an extended period of time. Hate to see that because he's a great player, but uh, Croft immediately, I think might even be borderline tight end one going forward because Andy Dalton loves those big targets in the middle of the field. And Croft is entering, uh, is in actually the last year of his rookie deal, and he's only owned in 1% of leagues. So I imagine he will be the most, especially with tight end just being a constant dumpster fire. It's even thinner now. Um, I imagine that he is going to be a top waiver priority for everybody. Another tie, Ty Montgomery. He rushed five times for 18 yards, but had two catches, as Matt mentioned earlier, for 56 yards. I feel like the more Cobb struggles, the more we're going to see Ty Montgomery via the air. Should have had a touchdown today. Rodgers actually had a rare off-target throw. It, it would have been a slant for a touchdown, but they're going to use all all their running backs there. Montgomery, of course, is a hybrid player. He's probably more receiver converted than wide running receiver. back, but they like him. They trust him. They give him snaps. And as you said, with Cobb not playing today, and probably if he had a terrible game in the Washington game, so I don't think Randall Cobb to me is a cut. Even if he played next week, I wouldn't trust him. I think Allison's yeah. moved ahead of him. Obviously, Adams is ahead of him. And Montgomery is another guy who's going to take some some shares of the offense. Graham got the touchdown today. I guess the big thing for me is for me that Cobb, the arrow is moving down. And Mon- Montgomery, maybe it's not a spike forward, but the arrow is moving up. Mike Davis, you know, in in Seattle with Chris Carson, a very unexpected not playing. Um, 21 carries for 102 yards, two touchdowns. Rashad Penny has completely lost favor here. I'm going to attribute that to the fact that he can't pass protect and Russell Wilson's getting sacked six times a game. Matt, you're shaking your head in disgust. Is this more of the Schottenheimer frustration or uh, like Seattle? Why do you spend a first round pick on a running back, which is not a valuable position to success in the NFL uh, any st- like numbers, a number of statistics would tell you that you go and spend a first round pick on a running back, and then like literally every other back on your on your roster is productive except this guy. It's just I don't know. It's crazy to me. And then we'll still get people next year. You know, some team will draft a running back in the first round, and and there'll be some stupid defense of it. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know. It's just frustrating, but. I guess if you, if we want to talk about fantasy football here, um, like, <laughs> <laughs> made on the Yahoo Sports fantasy football podcast, Mike. Yeah, not the Yahoo Sports complaining podcast by Matt Harmon. Um, I think that just it's definitely worth a pickup for sure because who knows what's going to happen with Chris Carson? You know, we've seen this this team not really want to commit to one running back in previous years. We've also seen him be hurt. Right. This is a hip injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And Mike Davis was like kind of sneaky good to end last year, too. So they brought him back. There's obviously something going on there. I mean, Rashad Penny obviously is not the guy at this point. So, yeah, I think for sure you can pick Mike Davis up if you're a running back needy team. Um, probably not expecting to ride him very long, but you can have a little bit of a good time here. Scott, do you have any final takeaways before we uh, head out? Any piano man's keys? Yeah, I can't wait for the for the Broncos and the Chiefs tomorrow night. I'm, I'm expecting two or three Tyrell Hill touchdowns, Tyreek Hill touchdowns. And uh, Mahomes, he's the number one quarterback going forward, right? Oh, for sure. I think so. I think he was the consensus number one this week, too. And this whole this unit is great. Start too. of the week. Some people called him the start of the week. So he's, he's finally catching on with the fantasy community. <laughs> I love when you get dirty like that. It's 
great. Yeah, I mean, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> like this 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 offense and defense combination is so great. It's very similar to the Falcons, who we talked about earlier. The Falcons have scored thirty plus points over the last three weeks. The problem is they've also allowed thirty four point seven average points each week. And the, and the Chiefs are very similar. These bad defense, great offense. I mean, it's just a fantasy bonanza, and it's really what's cooking this whole video game Big 12 uh, offense that we've talked about all throughout tonight. Credit where it's due. I, I hammered Sarkeesian all last year, hammered him in week one when they couldn't oh, yeah. score against Philadelphia in week one. All they've done is score a touch, other than get Julio Jones in the end zone, which would take a, a congressional you know act or something. Mm. They Everything else is clicking for this offense. You really got two more touchdowns today. Uh, they're doing it all without Freeman. You know, there's another good player they'll get back soon. Um, you know, Matt Ryan looks like one of the most bankable. I mean, you take have to take Matt Ryan over Aaron Rodgers right now, right? I mean, he's at the perfect setup. All the toys and the defense can't stop a thing. They play in the dome. They play in the division where everybody seems to have the same type of team. The Saints score. They can't stop. The Buccaneers have pieces. They can't stop anybody. Carolina's going to be in high-scoring games. The NFC South, in a, in a world of pinball, the yeah. ultimate arcade is the NFC South. That's where the the highest scores and the points and, and yards just they, they go to infinity. Fun times. Indeed. Fun times. Well, we will be back cooking on Thursday. So feel free to subscribe, review, rate, spread the word on social at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm Liz Loza at Liz Loza underscore FF. Matt Harmon is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And Scott Pianowski is at Scott underscore Pianowski. And we are the Sunday pod team. We hope you enjoy the show. Win big and uh, on to week five. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.